This message is brought to you by the Church of Pentecost Cyprus. As you listen, may it build faith in your heart, inspire hope in your life, and fill you with God's amazing love. Enjoy the message. We thank God for the opportunity to share his word with you this afternoon. The title of my sermon today is When God is Silent. When God is Silent. So this whole month, we've been looking at prayer, prevailing prayers, and we've looked at different ways or different, we've been given different information about prayer. How do we pray? We've heard so many nice things that when we pray, God hears us, God answers us. This is the confidence that we have that as believers, when we pray, God answers our prayers. But there's sometimes when you pray and it seems like God is just quiet. You scream, you shout, you cry. It's not that you're not praying well, you're praying all manner of prayers, but it seems like maybe God cannot hear me or maybe God is just quiet when God is silent. See this pace or the silence of God can be the loudest. This space can be so difficult. You see, you get to a point where you just feel like, oh God, but I am praying. I'm spending so much time in prayer. I've been praying about the same things over and over again and you're not hearing me. You can get to a state of desperation. I don't know if you've ever felt desperate for something. It seems like God is answering everyone else around you. But when it comes to your simple prayer, God just can't hear you. When that your loved one was on the bed about to die, you prayed, you made vows. You said that God, if only you will save their life, I would do this for you. But they died. When that marriage was falling apart, you cried out to God and you said, God, can you hear me? God, can you do this for me? Can you just just do this one thing for me? If you don't do anything else, just save my marriage. But the marriage fell apart. But you lost that child. When God is silent. When you get to this point, you start thinking, is God too busy to pay attention to my prayers? Is it that I am not important to him? Is it that I am low on his priority list? Wait, does God even exist? What kind of loving father? Last week, um, or last week, yes, pastor taught us about God being our father. And how do we pray? When you pray, you acknowledge him as your father. What kind of loving father will sit there and watch me go through so much pain? It's not that I am not praying. I am praying and praying and praying and he's just ignoring me. When God is silent. You see, David knew well the silence of God. I want us to open our scriptures and look at Psalm 13. Psalm 13. I read from verse 1 to 6. It says, Oh Lord, just imagine 
him saying this prayer out of so much anguish and out of so much frustration. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? How long? Turn and answer me, oh Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. You can just tell that this psalm, this prayer has come from a place of anguish. It says his soul, his very soul is anguished. How long? Like he said, how long? Like four times. How long? How long? How long? How long? How long? But then when you get to the verse five, he says, even though I'm going through all of this, even though I don't know how long it will take, even though I don't know what you're going to do, but I trust you. I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. You see, there isn't really much information about this psalm. But it could have been written at any point during one of David's anguish. David went through a few different situations. You see, David was somebody who had been appointed by God to be king. He had been anointed by God. But then he got to a point where the king on the throne at that time was after his life. So David was running for his life. They wanted to kill him. Like the guy gathered the whole army to go and chase after one little man, David. He had to be hiding in bushes. There was one point that David had to pretend that he was a madman so that he's not killed. So this could have been written around that time. It could also have been written when his son was after the kingdom. His own son, his own flesh and blood organized a coup to come and kill David so that he could take over the kingdom. He could have written it around this time as well. We're not really given much information about this. What was interesting to note is that David is somebody who was constantly seeking approval from God. Who is constantly seeking to hear God's voice before he does something. David will say, God, shall I pursue? God, shall I go? God, should we wait? God, what should we do? And God will tell him, yes, go, I am with you. Yes, do this, I will give you a victory. So David was somebody who constantly was hearing the voice of God. Who was always in fellowship. The Bible says that he is a man after God's own heart. But David got to a point where he's asking, how long? Why have you turned your face away from me? When God is silent. See, there are other people in the Bible who have also experienced this point of um, dejectedness. This point where they feel like God is not answering my prayers. Abraham had to wait. Abraham, who was God's friend, had to go through a period of waiting 
for the promise of God to be fulfilled in his life. We have somebody like Job. Job had to go through so much pain and so much anguish. And I'm sure he was also saying, God, how long, how long, how long? You see, even Jesus himself got to a point where he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? It is so painful when you go through a period where you feel so forsaken. When you've prayed and prayed and prayed about the same thing. When God is doing this for everybody else, but when it comes to you, it seems like he just can't hear you. When God is silent. See, there are even people, great men and women of our time who have also experienced this and they have journaled their experience about anguish and about feeling so alone and feeling like God is not answering them. Somebody like C.S. Lewis has written different publications and had to hide his name so that people do not see that this was him actually um, lamenting about God ejecting him. Someone like Madam Teresa, after everything that she did, there were articles and things that were published about her that said that she felt at a point that God had dejected her. How long? I don't know what you're going through this afternoon. Maybe you're feeling like God has dejected you. Yes, we're talking about prayer. Yes, praying in all manner of prayers. But you've done that. You've prayed about that job. And yet, nothing seems to be changing. How long? I want us to look at a scenario of something that happened in the Bible. And I want us to pick some lessons from it. If you can open Matthew chapter 15, we'll read from verse 21. Matthew chapter 15 from verse 21. If you're there, say amen. Okay, if you're there, say amen. Amen. So it says 21, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly 23 Jesus did not answer not even a word so his disciples came to him and urged him send her away for she keeps crying out after us he answered I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel 25 the woman came and knelt before him Lord help me she said he replied, it's not right to give the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. 27. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. See, this was a desperate mother. Her daughter was demon-possessed. She was so desperate that she, I'm sure she tried everything. She went to all the places that she was supposed to go. She saw all the men of God and all the women of God that she was supposed to see. But nothing was changing. 
She felt so helpless. Then she heard that Jesus was going to be in town. I'm sure that's the day she probably thought, oh, thank God, finally, finally, I can get help for my daughter. Jesus is in town. But you know that everywhere that Jesus goes, there are multitudes and crowds that surround him. So this woman somehow managed to locate where Jesus was. And she fought through the crowd and she was pushing everybody. She just wanted to see this Jesus so she can get help for her daughter. She can get help for her daughter. She had heard so many nice things about Jesus. See, this Jesus was going around doing good. He was going around healing the sick. He was setting the captives free. He was even healing, raising the dead. So that means that this request that I am asking of him, I've heard that he's done it before. This is very, very simple for him to do. All I need to do is meet this Jesus. She fights her way through the crowd. She fights her way through the crowd. Then she gets to almost where Jesus is and the disciples are there. And she's like, please, I need to see this Jesus. My daughter is suffering terribly. Look, I am a desperate mother. I just want to see this Jesus. And then the disciples said, look, Jesus is tired. He's just had a long session with the Pharisees. Jesus was just having a discussion with the Pharisees in the other town about what you eat does not defile you. It is what comes out of you. And he's really tired. He doesn't have time for people like you. This woman was crying out after them, please, just let me see this Jesus. My daughter is struggling. She is suffering terribly. I know that Jesus can help me. I just need to see this Jesus. The disciples were like, look, we don't have time for you. Somehow, somehow, this woman was able to get past the disciples. She was able to get past. And she got to Jesus. She persisted and came in front of this Jesus who was able to help her. I'm sure she said that, oh, I am finally getting closer to the answers to my prayers. I am finally about to meet this Jesus. This Jesus is finally able to heal my daughter. She was hopeful. And then when she saw Jesus, the Bible says that she cried out. She didn't whisper she cried out. She said, Lord. She acknowledged Jesus as Lord. She said all the right things. She knew that Jesus was Lord. Lord basically means that he is the master of my life. It means that he is superior. It means that he is able. Lord. He can do things that I cannot do. I subject myself to his authority. Lord. Then she says, son of David. She's done her research. She knew historical background of Jesus. She knew that this is the Jesus that the prophet Isaiah and all the other prophets prophesied about. He is from the lineage of David. So this woman knew all the right things to say to Jesus at that time. Lord, son of David. Then she went straight to her request. Have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. But you see that the response that came after that encounter must have been disappointing because it said that Jesus was silent. Jesus was silent. Some translation will say, not even a word. 
Can you imagine going through all of that just to get to Jesus, to present your request to him, for him to just ignore you? Jesus was silent. And to make matters worse, the disciples came from nowhere and they said, how did you get here? We told you he doesn't want to see you. What are you doing here? Jesus, send this woman away. She's so annoying. I've been telling her the whole day. She's been pestering us the whole day to want to see you. Get away from here. We told you. You see, the thing is that the woman knew that her help came from Jesus and not the disciples. She knew that the disciples could not help her. And so when the disciples were insulting her, when the disciples were saying all manner of things about her, she did not let that distract her. Maybe people in church are saying things about you. Maybe they are saying all manner of lies about you. You see, your help does not come from those people. Your help comes from the Lord. She knew that it was Jesus. She had come to see Jesus, not the disciples. The psalmist says that my help does not come from the east or the west or the south. My help comes from the Lord. Don't get distracted by the east. Don't get distracted by the west and the south and the north. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. So the disciples came into the room, said all of those things. And at this point, this woman was probably pleading, please, please, master. Then Jesus started speaking. So I'm sure she probably thought, yes, Jesus is going to answer me. But what did Jesus say? He said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. To be honest, that is quite a racist comment. It's just like Jesus saying that I only help white people. Oh, I only help black people. I'm sorry, I wasn't sent for people like you. I didn't come for your kind. I didn't come for your kind. This woman could have given up at this point and said, okay, so maybe everything that I have heard about this Jesus is not true. Maybe he's not so kind. Maybe he's not such a nice person. Do you know what? I don't need the help this much. Just leave me. Let me just go. Just, just go. But verse 25, it said that the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. So at this point, she was standing there. She was pleading to Jesus. The disciples were there saying, go away, go away, go away. Jesus is saying, I did not come for your type. Instead of the woman turning around and going, the Bible says she went on her knees and she cried, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Then Jesus speaks again. And you think that at this point, Jesus will say, okay, right, fine, fine, fine. I hear you. Your daughter is healed. Go and sin no more. But Jesus says, verse 20, 26, he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. This woman at this point could have just said, look, enough of the insults. Jesus, who do you think you are? How can you be talking to me like that? What have I done? Is it not just help? I came to ask for help. Am I asking for something that you have not done before? Are you not the one who's been raising people from the dead? This simple removing demons from my daughter, is this too much for me to ask that you're here raining insults at me? Jesus, what is this? What is this? Sometimes we act like we are entitled. 
that, oh God, I prayed to you and you didn't answer me, so I'm not going to go to church anymore. When I ask you for that thing, you didn't give it to me, so that's it. I'm not going to give you money anymore. In fact, I'm going to stop praying. In fact, I'm not even a Christian anymore. Because when I prayed and I asked you for this thing, you didn't give it to me. This woman did not see herself as entitled. In fact, she even went to the extent of admitting that, yes, even I am a dog. It's okay. She says, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that falls from the master's table. Look at the level of humility that this woman went through. Then Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. So Jesus had been talking to Pharisees. He'd been talking to religious leaders, big, big pastors at before this incident. And Jesus was saying that, look, your faith, this kind of faith, I have not seen it yet. Woman, you have great faith. You have great faith. See, it's not like Jesus was being racist. What Jesus was saying is that God is a God of order. Because when God called Abraham, God told Abraham that I will bless you and I will use you to be a blessing to the whole world. So the end product is the whole world. But God was starting with Abraham and the Israelites. So what God was trying to tell the woman is that it is not yet your time. It is not yet your time. But this woman's persistence, this woman's humility, Jesus said, your daughter has been set free. So as I end, what should you do when God is silent? What should you do when you've prayed and prayed and it seems like God is just quiet? What should you do? The first thing you do is you check yourself. Tell somebody, check yourself. Let's read Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2. It says, It's your sins that have cut you from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. So one way that or one thing that stops us from hearing from God and from God answering our prayers is sin. If you are living in sin, if you don't deal with the sin in your life, then there's no point because the prayers that you're praying are not getting anywhere. Other translation tells you that it puts a barrier between you and God. So that means that everything that you're praying, God can't really hear you. So you need to check yourself check yourself and the bible god is so faithful because the bible says that when you repent when you confess your sins he is faithful and he is just not only to forgive you of your sins but to cleanse you from all unrighteousness he says that he has given us the grace to be able to say no to all ungodliness so the ability to stay sinless the ability to walk in a righteous way the ability to stay out of sin god has given it to us and it's possible the second thing that you do when God is silent is you trust God. You trust God. In the psalm that we read, David said in verse 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. 
That means that regardless of what is going on, regardless of the silence, I trust that your love will never fail me. I trust that you are a God who never changes. I trust that you will not let me down. I trust that your thoughts for me are to an expected end. I trust God. I trust that you have my best interest at heart. I trust you. So even if the answer is no, I trust that the no is for my good. If the answer is wait, I trust that the waiting period is for my good. Just trust God. Trust God. The third thing that you should do when God is silent is stay at his feet. Stay at his feet. Sometimes when we go to God in prayer and we feel like God is not giving us an answer or giving us the answer that we want, we begin to take matters into our own, own hands. Oh God, okay, fine. If you're not going to do it, then I'm going to sort myself out. Let me go and see what I can do. Let me see this person and connect with that person and see what I can. Stay at his feet. Don't rush. Don't rush. Don't take matters into your own hands. When the woman was facing persecution from the disciples and was facing opposition and everything, the Bible says that she went to the feet. She knelt down and said, Lord, help me. When God is silent, go on your knees and stay at his feet. A practical way to stay at God's feet is to isolate yourself from distractions. Go into waiting, fast and pray till you hear God's voice regarding the matter. So you hear God's voice. Because you know, it could be perhaps that that thing that you are praying about is not the will of God for you. This morning, our brother talked to us about knowing the will of God. It could be that that thing that you're praying and you think that you desperately need is actually out of the will of God for you. So when you stay at the feet of Jesus, he's able to tell you that this thing will not benefit you. My daughter, my son, this is actually what I want you to do instead. Stay at his feet. And finally, persist. Persist. There's a parable that I want us to look at in Luke chapter 18, verse 2 to 8. Persist. Luke chapter 18 and I read from verse 2 to verse 8. Luke 18, 2 to 8. I read. He said, In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversaries. For... For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Verse 6, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his own chosen ones? who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? See, your persistence is actually an act of faith. 
When you persist, this parable is talking about a widow who was persistent, who kept going to the judge, knocking on the judge's door, open, open, give me justice. The judge kept saying no, 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 but she kept going. And the Bible is telling us that even this judge who does not know God, even this judge who is unjust, if he is able to have mercy on the woman for her persistence, then what about our loving father? When we cry out to him day and night, will he not hear us? So the crying out is not just one time. The crying out is not just two times. The crying out is day and night. Persistence, persistence persistent so when God is silent you persist the Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous is powerful the Bible also says that keep on asking and you will receive keep on knocking and the door will be open keep on seeking keep on we are a generation who don't want to keep on we just want to ask and have it straight away. But you see, there is some growing and there is some development and there's some maturity in the keeping on. As you're waiting, as you're praying, as you're persisting, God is refining your character so that when the answer finally comes, you are better than you started off and you're able to handle that blessing better. Keep on. So finally... If you're going through a period of silence, know that God has not changed. He still loves you. He still cares about you. He's not a God who is just sitting there and enjoying you, crying out to him and saying, give me, give me, give me. And then he will give it to you and you say, ah, no, I changed my mind. That is not who God is. He's a loving God. He's a loving father. The Bible says that even if a mother can forget her suckling child, God will never forget us. A mother who's just given birth to a child, can a mother forget her child? Even if that was possible, God will never forget us. Check yourself. And as long as you are in right standing with God, trust God. Persist in prayer and he will never let you down. Amen. So we can't end this message without giving you an opportunity to make things right with God. If you would like to do so, then I would humbly ask you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I confess that I have fallen short of your expectations. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. Today, I accept the forgiveness and the salvation that Jesus offers. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my personal Savior. Come live in me. Come change me. Come help me to live a life that pleases you. This I have prayed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you have prayed this prayer for the first time, then congratulations. Um, you have taken the first step to making things right with God. We would encourage you to get in touch with us on any of our social media handles. And will help you to grow in your relationship with God. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he prosper you. And be gracious and kind to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. If you'd like to know more or have any questions, please contact us by email at info at copcypress.org or on any of our social media platforms at the COP Cypress. God bless you.